What was the name of John's book? The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Welcome to the masculine journey. We have a special day today, don't we, Robbie? Yes, it's <laughs> Mother's Day Eve. <laughs> Mother's Day Eve. Thank you. You're always on the Eve part. You really help us keep that going. So I appreciate it. If you've been listening to the show regularly, you know that that's a running joke. And if you haven't, then just stay with us because you'll start to get it. Yeah. We just today discovered that on the fifth day, the day before God created Eve, it was in fact Eve, Eve. It was Eve, Eve. And we, <laughs> yeah. That's deep. That is deep. Yeah, wow. I'm laughing inside, deep down where it counts. Well, thank you. In studio today, it's me, Sam Main. We have Robbie Dillmore, Al Henley, and Vinny Menino. And uh, we'll be talking with you, not about mothers. No. No, no. You'd think that we would with Mother's Day weekend, but we're not. We're going to be talking about fathers a little bit. But specifically, before we do that, I want to kind of talk about this name, The Masculine Journey. And it says in our intro, there's many twists and turns and this thing called the masculine journey. Robbie, did we come up with that or why did we start using that? Well, in John Eldridge's book, Father by God, he talks about these stages of the masculine journey. And, you know, even Pilgrim's Progress, it's a journey that men go on. It's a little different than women's journey. And there's certain aspects of that that we God intended for us to get along the way. And sometimes we miss out on, but what we got planned today is really fun because we're going to look at this from the life of David. We are. And and this is actually the beginning of something we don't do very often, but we're going to be doing a series on um, the stages of the masculine journey and how it's portrayed in David's life and some other scripture. Yeah, we're going to use scripture on the masculine journey (laughs) to make our point as well as movie clips. So that's that's good. But the stages of the masculine journey, there's six stages that a man's supposed to go through that God ordained. It's boyhood stage, it's the cowboy ranger stage, it's the warrior stage, it's the lover stage, the king, and the sage. I'm staying in the cowboy ranger. I like it there. Do you? Yeah. You remind me of the village people. I don't know why with uh, the whole cowboy just, thing. That's <laughs> masculine journey radio. Okay. Okay, but we're, we are going to be talking about the masculine journey a little bit more. And Robbie, you alluded to what happens if you don't get something in a stage? Because each one of these stages, we unpack this over the next six weeks or so, we're going to talk about each stage is vital. It's critical that we get something that we need to get from that stage. But what happens if you miss it or you don't get it? Well, the good news is I think that's a lot where the gospel plays out and where Jesus can come in and take you back there to help you get what it was that you're missing. But quite often, because Satan knows that there's a wound there, He will take you back and you'll find yourself trying to play out. There's certain behaviors that come with men that have missed something at a particular stage. Yeah, if they they miss a certain stage, they may be stuck there. You see the the guy that's uh, still living in his 50s or 60s as he did in his 20s, right? And you know that something's maybe not quite right there. You know, maybe you shouldn't be exactly the same, but there's something that was probably missed there that he's still trying to get. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but first we're going to play a clip This comes from the movie Man of Steel. 
And then the scene, you've got young Clark Kent, who's about 10 at the time, I think, in this clip. And he's talking to his earthly father, and he's really wanting to know who he is. He's been raised as his father's son, his earthly father's son, but he doesn't know why he's different than everyone else. And I want you to listen real clearly how the father loves him and where he leads him. We found you in this. We were sure the government was going to show up at our doorstep, but no one ever came. This was in the chamber with you. I took it to a metallurgist at Kansas State. He said whatever it was made from didn't even didn't even exist on the periodic table. That's another way of saying that it's not from this world, Clark. And neither are you. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe. I don't want to be. And I don't blame you, son. It'd be a huge burden for anyone to bear. But you're not just anyone, Clark. And I have to believe that you were... that you were sent here for a reason. All these changes that you're going through one day... One day you're going to think of them as a blessing, and when that day comes, you're going to have to make a choice. A choice of whether to stand proud in front of the human race or not. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. But somewhere out there, you... You have another father, too, who gave you another name. And he sent you here for a reason, Clark. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. Wow. What a powerful scene in so many ways. Robbie, as you listen to that, I mean, where does your heart go? What jumps out at you in that, in that clip? Well, obviously, there's so many cool things about our own life that we're not really from this world and that God had other, and we got a father by another name. But the thing from a masculine journey standpoint that you can't help but see is how well Clark is being loved by his father. Mm -hmm. And that he's clearly, clearly the apple of his father's eye. And, and he is resting at this point in time in that, if nothing, he can't understand really what's going on, but you can really feel him resting in his father's love and saying this, I'm good right here. <laughs> as long as I'm here <laughs> as your son, you know, I'm, I'm good right here. That, that is an awesome point. And you get to hear the father's love come through saying, you know, you are my son. That's not even a question in my mind, but you do have another father. Right? And, and I love the way that he, as you say, he loves on him, but also lets him know there's more out there. You were made for a bigger reason than even just this. This is awesome. And this is great. And living in this family is, is incredible, but there's more to why you were made. And I think that's very cool for a father to be laying that out for a son of saying, in a way, I know you have what it takes, and one day you'll find that out. But even before that, he's telling him what, Al? What? Go ahead. No, what's he saying? Even deeper than that, what's that little boy want to know? I have what it takes. We, below that, what's deeper than that? Deeper than that, that he loves his, his, he's loved by his father. Absolutely. At the end of the day, regardless of whether he has what it takes, doesn't have what it takes, it doesn't really matter because he is the apple of his father's eye that there's nothing that he can do to separate him from his love. And I think that's very incredible. And then, of, of course, then it becomes, do I have what it takes? And something that I really like in this clip is that his father, who he doesn't see, who he doesn't know, 
is taking deliberate actions that he doesn't understand to form his life, Mm -hmm. to affect his life, which, you know, we get from our father in heaven every day. Mm -hmm. And the contrast to that is what we're talking about today with King David. Yeah. Is when you look at that and we, we go back to that story, we don't see David's earthly father, Jesse, necessarily speaking into that but sam take us a little bit down that story and and share with us. yeah i was reading back through samuel i think it's chapter 17 but that's it samuel makes sense yeah samuel <laughs> so sam should lead you through that but yeah, no I'm, I'm reading back through that and samuel comes to, to david's town and and he wants to meet with jesse god's led him there right to anoint a king and so it's to be from jesse's family which is david's father and there's eight boys in the family and so he, he consecrates uh, Jesse and the boys that are there and invites him to a meal to come and to, for God to try to sort out who's going to be the next king. And what I think was interesting about this is David wasn't there. You know, we don't know, and I'm not going to imply that Jesse and David had a bad relationship. I don't know what that looks like, and Scripture doesn't tell us that. But what we do know is Jesse was to bring his sons to a banquet with somebody very important, and David was not in his force foresight to do that you know there was something there that just doesn't seem like it adds up for a father that's truly loving on his son fully well and it it the way i read that is they were actually scared samuel shows up here and samuel is like the judge and like here comes a judge and this might be really bad because they know there's stuff going on with saul and 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 they're really scared and so (laughs) you know i always had the picture that that david's just a little bit wild and he's the youngest of, the, of, of brothers. And if you know many families, the youngest is always a bit of a clown. We so are you going to bring in the clown when the pastor comes to dinner? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. He did dance naked. <laughs> close to it. So, you know, and now I don't want to really think about that with you personally. But so what does it look like? You know, David was not clearly, we don't know clearly whether he was Jesse, the apple of Jesse's eye or not. But what do we find out in Scripture a little bit later on when, when Samuel's went through every one of the brothers and God said, nope, not this one, nope, not this one, then the question becomes, isn't there another one, right? And when, when David comes, what, what's, what's the reply of, of, of the father in regards to David about how he sees him? Yeah, well, Samuel is, the number one, I think, how, it's just a cool scene. You know, Samuel is expecting the big tall guy. He looks good. This got to be the one. Mm-hmm. And God says, no, it's not about the appearances. I, I'm not judging by appearance. I'm looking at the heart. And so Samuel is obviously clearly used to hearing the shepherd's voice. And he's not hearing it, and he's not hearing it, and he's not hearing it. And he, then he's left with, I haven't heard this if you got another son. That's a fascinating question. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing is there is God hasn't seen the heart of the king yet no no and, and he's looking deeper beyond what man sees and, and i i think it's so cool that david is is just a young boy maybe young teenager maybe at this point right and he's out in the fields with the sheep you know and and god calls him in and clearly in scripture that i see there says to him you are the apple of my eye right you have what it takes david i'm going to anoint you as king and, and so, Al, what does that feel like to know that you have, you're the apple of the Father's eye? That's a good question. Thank you. And 
there's something about that feeling of confidence when Jehovah is your father and you know he loves you. There's a great confidence in that. It erases, you know, so many of the wounds from, from your past. You know, I was thinking there's a, a really cool example here that I happen to know because we have Vinnie Menino in the audience with us. And there was a time, you know, Vinnie had an earthly father and then there was the Godfather. Seriously, yeah. it, this was the situation and there you were. And Vinnie, what was it like? Oh, we're going to have to come back to that, Robbie. the Godfather called Vinnie out when his own father was thinking we're going to talk about that when we come that is a good teaser coming back i can't wait to hear this story i've been listening to the masculine journey if you'd like more information visit us on facebook go to masculine journey radio on facebook let us know what you'd like for us to talk about let us know the things that you like and let us know the things you don't really like let us know how we can make more fun of robbie it's the masculine journey radio your phone your tablet your ipad your android just became a radio. That's right. You can take the Truth Network with you everywhere now thanks to our brand new Truth Network app. That's right. Listen to Dr. Michael Brown in the Line of Fire, the Christian Car Guy with Robbie Dilmore, Truth Talk Live, all of our programming 24-7 right there in your hand. Perhaps you're out of range of your radio or traveling in a busy airport. You can plug into the Truth Network. Just go to truthnetwork.com to download the new free app. That's truthnetwork.com. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Well, welcome back to The Masculine Journey. I hope you could last through that minute with the question that we left with. Robbie, I just am intrigued. Today we're talking about being the apple of the father's eye. And what happens if you're not necessarily the apple of your earthly father's eye, but being the apple of somebody greater's eye, in your opinion, or is equal to anyway, or the father's eye, as we talked about. And Robbie, you left with a question that is just burning. I got to oh, hear yeah, the answer. I, I know the story that Vinny, as a young man, was involved in New York City, and there was a father and there was a godfather, but there was a point where the father was not necessarily for it, but the godfather was speaking. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, most Italian people, uh, when you're a young boy, you know, you traveled with your father. And my father, as you can probably gather, uh, was a tough guy. Let's put it that way. And I was with him. I was at 17 years old and we were in a cellar in a tenement house and he was speaking with the godfather i mean the godfather uh they were having a meeting and i just stood in the back there just protecting my father that's what you were supposed to do and uh, they were talking business and albert who was the godfather called on me and i had nothing you know i was just shaking in my boots when he told me what to do. And my father, my earthly father, he jumped in, he says, Albert, leave him alone. You know, he's not ready for this. And Albert turned around and, John, I'm not talking to you. Come here, Vinny. And he told me what he wanted me to do, and I did it. But what did that do for that young Oh, man, I mean, I was so pumped up 
Uh, nobody could talk to me for a week. I mean, I had. <laughs> well, can know, you picture David now as, as, as Samuel is stepping in front of, you know, here's all the brothers and they're anointing him king? Yeah. What, what a picture. The little brother. Yeah, the little brother. <laughs> yeah, the new, the new boy on the block. And I was a boy. Yeah. You know, and the odd thing about that, Robbie, that I never told you, I got in the car with my father and I drove and we went home. He never said a word. Didn't tell my mother and never mentioned it. And I took that as what I knew it to be. You're in now. You know, protect yourself. Uh, That's where it went. That was my earthly father and my story about the Godfather. Yeah. And being being called up into something, you have David. We left him off that, you know, he's been out with the sheep and all of a sudden he's called to become the anointed king not right away, down the road a little bit. And so, Al, as we're talking about that, how do you think brothers really take that news when, even scripturally or with David's story, how do they take the news when the littlest brother is the one that looks to be the apple of the father's eye? This kid who I've whipped all my life that who is beneath me is now going to be my king? I don't think that went over very well at all. And it, when we were talking about this, I was I went back to scripture to read it, and I've got this scripture about that that moment where David is uh, with the guys, and Goliath is calling him out, and his brother comes down on him, and it says, "Now Eliab, his older brother, and Eliab's, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, "Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness?" I know that your pride and your, the insolence of your heart, you have come to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Or I'm sorry, is there not a cause? So he, when he says, what have I done now? This isn't an unusual um, occurrence. This yeah. is something that I'm sure he got quite a bit of. Yeah, and you get to hear, at least in the way that I hear it being read, is you know what you've done with those few sheep, as if what you're doing is insignificant. Right. You know, you really don't matter, you know, and you're coming here for bad reasons. Your heart is bad in it. So, so Robbie, scripturally, if you lay out, you know, some of the different people that God decided to be the chosen one of their time, for lack of a better term, what happened to those around them? What was the common reaction? Oh, that envy, it, it, it boils up tremendously. You saw it certainly in Esau and Jacob. A- and then you, with Joseph's brothers, obviously they put him in the pit. That, that, that went down. Yeah, and, downhill and, from there. <laughs> and even Jesus's brother. Yeah, they they spoke to him. You know, what are you going to go down there and show off? You know, at the at the feast and and those kind of things. So it's a common, unfortunately, sibling rivalry, and even amongst the disciples. We saw it between uh, John and Peter, and trying to figure out who's going to be on your right side, but also in that fireside chat that happened after mm-hmm. the resurrection. So there's some cool stuff there, but we got a great clip. We do. On this one. We do. And, you know, even before, going back to the original brothers, Cain and Abel. Oh, yeah. You know, it began there that laid this the seed of envy. And we do have a great clip, and, and we've not used it before. It was brought to us by a friend of ours named Chris, and he'd used it at a boot camp we were at. And this is from the movie Thor. And in this clip, you have Thor, who's the anointed king, going to take the place of his father. And you have Loki, who is his brother. And in this scene, you hear Loki talking with the father, really questioning who he is and how the father sees him and really questioning the father's heart. This is powerful. Stop! Am I cursed? 
No. What am I? You're my son. What more than that? The casket wasn't the only thing you took from Jotunheim that day, was it? No. In the aftermath of the battle, I went into the temple and I found a baby. Small for a giant's offspring, abandoned, suffering, left to die. Laufi's son. Laufi's son? Yes. Why? You were knee deep in Jotun blood. Why would you take me? You were an innocent child. No. You took me for a purpose. What was it? Tell me! I thought we could unite our kingdoms one day, bring about an alliance, bring about a permanent peace through you. But those plans no longer matter. So I am no more than another stolen relic, locked up here until you might have use of me. Why'd you twist my words? You could have told me what I was from the beginning. Why didn't you? You're my son. I wanted only to protect you from the truth. Well, because I, I, I'm the monster that parents tell their children about at night? No. You know, it all makes sense no. now why you favored Thor all these years. Because no matter how much you claim to love me, you can never have a frost giant sitting on the throne of Asgard. Wow. I mean, what do you even say to that? You, what do you, you hear the, just the envy, the anger, the rage that's in Loki's voice there? Yeah, the really sad part about that is <laughs> there's a little Loki in me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you see, in and in a, it's one of those times I wish people could see the clip, the love of the father. You could see it in his eyes. He played it really well. His one eye because he had a patch of another <laughs> one. <laughs> but, but you can see that. The love, or you could hear the love in it when he says, am I cursed? And he goes, no, you're my son. And the son was missing out on all that. He was the apple of his father's eye, but he had so much envy for his brother that he was missing what his identity was in the story. And, you know, it's all about comparison. Why did this person get blessed more than me? Why is this stuff going on over here? And we look to all these comparisons rather than finding our place in the story. Now, does that always just happen with blood relatives? Oh, no. <laughs> no. No, it happens, unfortunately, in, in our churches. It happens in our workplace. It happens in all these different areas that we say, okay, why is that person being more blessed? And specifically, at times, we turn to God and say, why are you loving them differently or better than you love me through our own lens, not through God's lens, but through their lens of judging what is better and what's not and and so you know they look at this and say okay wh why don't i get that right and it starts to be this envy thing that turns into to rage at the other person and essentially at god right and and the challenge there is that even for a lot of us with our earthly parents because they didn't love us the way that they loved our brothers or sisters we felt like that it wasn't real mm -hmm. and so you know, we're missing out on that and Satan continues to bring it up and, and, and use that against us in any way that he possibly can. And the interesting thing and the thing I love about the passage with David 
is that I can glean from that because really there's a lot of issues with trying to figure out exactly what's going on. But the one thing that's clear is the reason that God loved David so and, and wanted him king over the Israel is that he had a fierce love for his father's sheep. And, and it was all about he was going to feed the sheep. He was going to protect him against the bear or the lion. He would sacrifice his own life because he had this fierce love for his father's sheep. And we see that so clearly in the fireside chat between Jesus and Peter after Peter's denied him three times. And Jesus says to him, Peter, do you really love me more than these? And Peter's now faced with this, wow, I was comparing myself with all my brothers, that I was better than everybody. But now I realize it's just about me. You know, I love you, Lord. And he says, what? Feed my sheep. That if you want to be the apple of my eye, you know, just simply, if you love on the father's sheep with all you got, you're going to be in a good place. Yeah, and it's not the first time that Jesus had talked about sheep either. You know, he talked about loving them so much that he'd leave the 99 to go get the one. Right. You know, it's that conviction of I'm going to go after every last one to love them with that detail, not just love most of them and let some of them kind of fall where they may. And so the, the neat thing for me is that I, I sometimes do find myself in that comparison thing, and if I can drop back and go, wait a minute, God, what can I do to listen to what you, you have for me to help feed your sheep, take care of your lambs, protect the flock, you know, kind of thing. What do you think, Al? I'm just taking it all in. The whole part about uh, comparing David, feeding his father's sheep, and, and when I was reading it earlier, those specific words are there, feed my sheep. And that's the zeal in a man's heart that God's looking for. He's not looking for something lukewarm. He's looking for a committed soul who loves him. That's going to look for him for guidance. He's going to trust in his heart. And he's going to feed the sheep. So what's God calling you to do today, Robbie? What's, if you want to be the apple of the Father's eye, what's God calling you to do today? Yeah, for me, it's to figure out how I can do that, how, how I can lead more people towards their stage in the masculine journey. How can the, we help them feel like they're the apple of their father's eye and they got what it takes? And this is not always about salvation. Salvation's key, but it's also having Christians walk in more intimacy with the Father. You've been listening to the Masculine Journey. Go to Facebook, Masculine Journey Radio. Check us out. Leave us a message. Let us know what you're thinking, some shows you might want us to do after this series, and, and some thoughts on this week's show. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Masculine Journey. 